welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Happy Saturday night, everybody. Happy Saturday night. You could be all kinds of places right now doing all kinds of things, but we are in the house of the Lord together. I'll tell you what, that's more exciting than anywhere else you could be. You don't go many places and leave feeling as good as you feel right now, feeling as refreshed as you do right now, feeling as energized as you do. When you go to a restaurant, your belly feels full, but my heart feels full right now, amen? Um, I'm glad to see you all tonight. It's great to be together. Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 2. It is, it is late, and we're going to try and move through this before midnight. That's okay, isn't it? Midnight's all right. You all know me, and you know that I could not talk till midnight if my life depended on it. I mean, if the Spirit said otherwise, I'd obviously do otherwise, but... Ruth, why, why, why are your eyes so big like that? You think I talk a lot? Is that what the, okay. Just making sure. I do not, sir. Hey, who was here last week at our, our five for five? Wasn't it so great? Oh, man, those guys did so good. So proud of all of them. Can't wait for all of you to share that haven't shared yet, too. Mark chapter 2, we're continuing our series called Like Jesus. We're talking about being like Jesus. And um, this is the time to be like Jesus. If not now, when? The world seems to be falling into madness every minute of every hour of every day, more and more. And um, man, being like Jesus right now is so important. First John chapter 2. Verse 6 is our foundation scripture for the series. Should we all say it together? Always, always a New Living Translation. Like that makes it, you're reading it. You, sir, are banished to the corner. <laughs> Go sit on that stack of chairs in the back. It says, it says, those who say they live in God should live their lives like Jesus and so we're talking about living like Jesus. And I want to take you to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to start here. And um, tonight we're talking about a life of conviction. A life of conviction. And Jesus lived a life where he was convicted about, about who he was. He was convicted about the things that God had called him to do. And he lived out his convictions through his actions. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. Mark chapter 2, we're going to start here, and um, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. The first half of verse 4 says, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. I want to talk to you for a few minutes. We're talking about being convicted in our relationship with Jesus. 
talking about being convicted in our relationship with God, what that looks like. And I want to ask you a question right now. And I want that thought and that question to run through your heads while we talk for the next few minutes. And that question is, do you prefer Jesus or are you convicted about your relationship with Jesus? Do you prefer Jesus in your life? Do you prefer Jesus to work in your mind, in your body, in your emotions, in your family, in your relationships? Or are you convicted that without Jesus in those areas that you can't make it? And let's talk for a second about what, what the word prefer means and what the word convicted means and conviction means. Prefer means this. Prefer means to like something better or best, um, to give something priority, to put or set before someone, to recommend something to them, and to bring forward or lay before someone for consideration. Okay, so preference is basically a choice. Conviction is a strong persuasion or belief or the state of being convinced about something. I want to say this to you, that preference will always lead you to a choice, but conviction will drive you to action. Conviction will cause you to move into something. Preference will always lead you to a place where you have to say, mm, right now, in this moment, in this situation, I'm going to choose this but conviction is you having something that you hold in your life that you stand upon that you believe that you say this come hell or high water is my standard and I'm not falling off and I'm not leaving behind I prefer tea over coffee it's true it's true, I do prefer tea over coffee. That's my drink of choice. You can laugh all you want. You can be like, what kind of man drinks tea? I like hot tea and I like cold tea. Real. Not, none of this Lipton nonsense. I'm talking about real brewed iced tea. That's where I come from. That's what I love. I love uh, cheeseburgers. I don't, I don't want a hamburger. I want a cheeseburger. I prefer to have cheese on it. I prefer chicken over hamburger meats. I prefer steak over, you know, artichokes. Um, I, prefer, I prefer hot, sunny weather over cold nastiness. On my watch, my watch tells me when sunset and, sun, sunset and sunrise is every day. And we're in the time of year right now where I'll look at my watch like at noon and it says the sun is setting in four hours and seven minutes. And then after the sun sets, then it tells me how long till sunrise. And it'll be like 13 hours and 9 minutes until I prefer lots of sun. I prefer sand. I prefer warmth. I prefer, my preference is to have hair on my head. This is true, and I want to tell you about this. I prefer to have hair on my head more than being bald. But let me tell you something. I made a choice a long time ago. I formed a conviction a long time ago. This is true. Because losing my hair was a journey of about two weeks for me. One day I cut my hair and I noticed this tiny little bald spot right here. And then what I started to do was I just kept getting shorter and shorter razors on my head and shaving my hair shorter and shorter over about two weeks. So one day I came out bald. And I had formed this conviction 
in my life that I never wanted to be like a guy in his 30s going bald and have the hair all around my head and bald right here. I, I'm telling the truth. I formed a conviction about it. I said, I don't, I don't want to be 30 years old and look like I'm balding. And so if that ever happens, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and shave all my hair off myself. So you can see, I shave all my hair. Why am I telling you this? Because I have a preference to have hair, and I could grow hair. It wouldn't look attractive, <laughs> but I could grow hair. But my conviction overrides my preference. My conviction that I formed about what my hair looks like overrides my preference to have hair. When we go through a drive-thru, if Jen wants to get a coffee or a drink from Starbucks, it's too hard for me to get Starbucks to make my tea the way I prefer to have it. So I just order a coffee because preference leads you to choice and it's based off of whatever situation, whatever moment you're in. The preference is, oh, this is I prefer tea, but I know Starbucks is not going to get my tea right for me, so I will choose coffee in this moment. I will choose something different in this moment because preference leads you to a choice. But conviction causes you to stand on your belief and it causes you to move to an action that you hold firm to something. And what I want to talk about tonight for a few minutes is do you prefer Jesus in your life? Do you prefer that he's there or are you convicted and convinced that you can't do this thing called life without him? Now is not the time. Now is not the time. 2020, November 14th of 2020, when who knows what tomorrow could hold for us. Now is not the time for us to be people who prefer to have Jesus in our life. Now is the time to us be us be, for us to be convicted that we must have Jesus in our life, that we can't make it through each day without Jesus in our life, that the things that are coming tomorrow, that who knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or in December, who knows, but we know that if we have a conviction that we hang on to Jesus, we know we'll make it through. So let's look at this story real quick together. These guys show up at this house. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus has been busy about his father's business. If you go through Mark chapter 1, um, starting in verse 9, uh, Jesus is driven into the wilderness by the Spirit, and he is tempted there for 40 days. The Bible says he comes out in the power of the Spirit. Then he goes into the temple, and it's where we get Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where Jesus opens the scroll, finds the place where it's written, and he begins to say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to do these things. He's, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives are released, to give blind eyes open. He lists off all these things that he's been called to do. And then in the rest of the chapter, he goes about doing all those things. He goes about preaching. He goes about healing people that are sick. He heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And then, then people hear about it, and they all come and see Jesus. He's casting out demon-possessed people. He's doing all these things. He is convinced 
that God has something for him to do, and he is busy about the ministry. And so in chapter 2, in verse 1, when he shows back up in the same place, everybody has heard about Jesus, and so they're all trying to get in the house to see Jesus because they all have issues that they want Jesus to meet. Does anybody else have issues that they need Jesus to meet in your life? So the Bible says Jesus is sitting in this house and he's sitting there teaching and he's sitting there talking and um, minding his business, minding his own business, sharing about who God is and what God has come and, and what Jesus is there to do. He's sitting there talking and just minding his own business. He's probably healing people. He's probably taking care of people's needs. And the Bible says that these guys... The Bible says that these guys show, that's distracting, I'm sorry. <laughs> these guys show up outside, and that place is packed. And they can't get in, but they're holding around their buddy on this mat. There's four of them, one on each corner, carrying this guy that's been paralyzed. And they're carrying him on this mat, walking around. And they say to themselves, you know, we've heard about Jesus. We've heard about what Jesus is doing and can do. And we heard about Jesus, um, you know, casting out these possessed demons or these people. And we've heard about Jesus. He just healed this guy who had leprosy. He just healed him. I bet if we got you to Jesus that he could probably heal you too. And so they're carrying this guy around on the mat. They show up at the house. The place is packed. And they can't get inside. The Bible says even outside the door. So they can't even get inside and get a look at Jesus. And a lot of people who call themselves Christians stop at that moment. What I love about this story is there a very, there's a very clear dividing line between a preference and a conviction. See, it says they arrived in verse 3 carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and they couldn't bring him in because of the crowd. A lot of believers, a lot of people who call themselves Christians stop at that place. At the moment when it becomes too difficult or too hard or too inconvenient or too frustrating or too stressful or whatever, whatever adjective or word you want to throw in there, whatever adverb, whatever, whatever it is for you, we get to that place and it's like, ah, it's just too much work. It's too inconvenient for me. Who wants to go to church on Saturday night? Sundays are for church. Sundays are when we gather. Why? Saturday night? Wow, I don't want to church on Saturday night, 7.30 or 5.30 or, who, you know, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. And a lot of us stop. But then the verse goes on. It doesn't stop there. The Bible says these men went upstairs on top of the house and dug a hole, cut a hole into the roof of some stranger's house. It's not their house. This isn't the place they live. They go upstairs and cut a hole in this house. And the Bible says, and it's not a small hole. It's not a, it's not a little peephole like, hey, let's cut a hole in there and see if we can see Jesus and talk about this some more and see, see if we could do something. Maybe we could like drill a little hole in there and like, Jesus, Jesus, we're up here. Look up here. That would be acceptable. The Bible says they go up there, 
And they cut a hole in this roof big enough to lower their buddy who is laying down on a mat through. That is a big hole in a stranger's house. If that happened today, good Lord, lawsuits, insurance would be involved. People would be furious. The Bible says, though, that these guys, it, it says they were so convinced that if they could get their friend to Jesus, that this guy's life would be transformed and changed. See, when we prefer Jesus, when it becomes difficult or awkward or hard, we say, eh, that's enough for today. I'm going to go watch Netflix instead. I'm going to go eat dinner instead. But these guys said to themselves, no, no, nobody's going to like us. This guy who owns this house, Carl, his name is, is not going to be happy that we are cutting a massive hole in his roof. But I am so sure that if we cut a hole in this roof and drop our buddy down the hole in front of Jesus, that Jesus will meet his needs. And so the Bible says that Jesus is inside, talking away. And in my mind, and I think you all know it the way that my mind works, in my mind, Jesus is sitting here politely talking, and he's talking about God and the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, little dust particles begin to fall. And then you hear a sound, a creaking, a cracking. And a big chunk of the ceiling just falls right in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks up, and everybody looks up. And they see this dude on a mat being lowered down. <laughs> I bet his friends were standing on the roof of the house grinning like idiots at their genius of how to get Jesus to see their friend. Because the Bible says that they lowered their friend down right in front of Jesus. Oh, hello. <laughs> right here, right in front of you. The Bible goes on, tells us that Jesus begins a conversation, and what he says to this guy, in verse 5, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then the religious people in the room, the teachers of the law, they get mad. And they say, who do they think this guy is to forgive somebody's sins? Only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus begins to address them. And he says in verse 8, why do you question this in your heart? It's easier, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? He says, I'm going to prove to you the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turns to the paralyzed man, he's sitting here, he's talking to these guys over here. The paralyzed man is just hanging here on a mat, probably staring at Jesus. <laughs> hey man, I'm right here, you going to do anything? Jesus is talking, and the Bible says that Jesus <laughs> turns and looks at him and says, get up, take your mat and go home. The Bible says the man just jumps up and walks out of the room. 
Just takes off. Well, see you guys later. Got his mat tucked under his arm, and away he goes. And the Bible says that everybody is amazed. Why are we talking about this story? Because so many of us miss out on our miracle. So many of us miss out on what God wants to do in our life because we simply prefer Jesus as opposed to knowing that if we just get upstairs and dig a hole in the roof and drop something down, we know that Jesus is waiting to work in our lives. Jesus is waiting for us at times. You know, you read a lot in the Gospels. And it's always amazing. If you don't actually stop and think about it and think about the reason why, you could think that Jesus was maybe a little bit oblivious sometimes. Because lots of times, Jesus encounters people that are clearly in need of something. They're possessed, or they're blind, or they're deaf, or they're paralyzed. And you see that Jesus continually asks people, what do you want? What do you want? What do you need from me? What are you looking for? What can I do for you? Oh, I say, well... <laughs> Sometimes they'd be like, can't you tell yourself what's wrong? <laughs> I'm in a wheelchair. I have no legs. I can't see. I can't hear. And you're asking me what you want me to do or what you can do for me. But there are times in your life when Jesus is wanting to see where your faith is at. What you believe that he can do for you. What you believe that he can do in your life. What you are expecting him to be and do to you, to you, for you. These guys got up on the roof. This is, this, is, this is audacious. This is bold. This is crazy. But they dug a hole in there. They cut a hole in there. Dropped this guy down. Get Jesus' attention. Jesus heals this guy. I want to tell you tonight that people who believe that Jesus wants to and can and will meet your needs, people that are convinced that they can't do life without Jesus, he shows up in those people's lives. He meets them where they're at. He's asking some of you today, right now in this moment, what is it you need? What is it you want from me? What can I do for you? And let me say this to you. Those people that are so convinced and convicted that they need Jesus in their life do absolutely whatever it takes to get into Jesus' presence. I'll cut a hole in the roof. Uh, the Roman centurion sent out a delegation to go find Jesus and said, get over here at my place. Jairus sent out his friends to go find Jesus and bring him back to, to heal his sick and dying daughter. The woman with the issue of blood who was supposed to stay far away from everybody else and when she came into town was supposed to yell out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. That lady 
didn't let the law stop her. She got on her hands and knees and crawled through the crowd to find Jesus and just grab onto him because she said to herself, if I can just grab the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. When you get to the place in your life where you realize, I don't just prefer Jesus in my life. I'm convinced that I can't make it or do my life without Jesus. Jesus is right there waiting for you and saying, hey, so glad to see you. Let's get busy about the work. I want to show you one more thing real quick. When you are convinced when you are convicted about your relationship with Jesus, when you realize that it needs to be so much more than a preference, you, you, you turn into an owner. You turn into somebody who owns their own relationship with Jesus. You turn into somebody who says, this is, this is not my husband's religion. This is not my wife's religion. This is not my parents' faith. This is my faith. This is my life. You become an owner and you take ownership of it. In Mark chapter 1, the very end in verse 40 is the story of when um, a leopard came, not a leopard, a leper came to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus, the Bible says, had compassion on him and said, I am willing. And then he was healed. And then Jesus says to the guy, now go to the temple and go take the appropriate sacrifice and then you'll be clean. But the guy leaves the place. And the Bible says that he goes around telling everybody what Jesus just did in his life. Because his life was transformed and changed. When he was a leper, he had to stay away. He had to live in a leper colony. He couldn't be around people who didn't have leprosy because it was contagious. His life was transformed. Everything about the way that he lived in that moment of encounter with Jesus was radically and completely transformed. And God is wanting to do some of that In some of our lives, God is wanting to work a work in your situation, where you find yourself, the relationships you have, your mind, your emotions, your body, your finances. God is wanting to have encounters with us that radically transform who we are and what our life looks like. And when you have an encounter and become convicted about who Jesus is, you become an owner in your own relationship. It's okay, she's a baby. Pay attention over here. You become an owner in your own relationship. That means you begin to walk around and talk about Jesus and think about Jesus and share Jesus because it's not just, oh, that's my pastor, or that's my dad, or that's my mom, or that's my aunt or uncle. My grandma's crazy. She goes to church all the time, and she makes me go there. No, it becomes your own relationship. You take ownership of it, and it becomes who you are. See, the world doesn't need bad Christians. The world doesn't need Christians who just go to church The world needs Christians who are convinced that they can't make it with Jesus. And when you become convinced, 
that you can't make it with Jesus, then you realize nobody else can make it without Jesus either. And when you say, oh my gosh, if I can't make it without Jesus, that means Jacob can't make it without Jesus. I better tell Jacob about Jesus. Stand up with me. I want to I want to ask you one more time. I want you to think about this. I want you to mull it over. I want you to go to bed thinking about it. I want the spirit of God to wake you up in the middle of the night talking to you about it. But do you prefer Jesus? Is your relationship with Jesus simply a preference or are you convinced that you've got to have Jesus in your life because a preference always leads you to a choice and hey some days you'll choose Jesus but some days when it's hard and you simply prefer Jesus You'll choose the easy way. But if you are convinced and live a life of conviction about the necessity of your relationship with Jesus, then nothing will shake you from that conviction that you hold.
world needs us now more than ever. I can't even say that, but the world needs us to be sincere about our relationship with Jesus, to be honest about we need Jesus. We can't make it without him. He's not my preference. He's my conviction. So I want to pray. And I want you to do this. If, if, if when I've been talking, maybe the Spirit of God has been showing you things in your life, areas in your life where you do prefer Jesus, but he's not really your conviction. And all I want you to do is while I'm praying, I want you to acknowledge that to yourself and to God. Say, yeah, you know what, God? Maybe I've been a little too easy in my relationship with Maybe I've taken it a little too much for granted. Maybe I really do just prefer you and I'm not super convicted about my relationship with you and what that looks like. I'm going to pray for us. And if that's you, really, I just want you to acknowledge it to yourself and to God and be like, God, that's me. But I don't want to be that way anymore. So, Father, I pray right now. God, I pray and I ask that you are revealing our own hearts to us, that you are showing us things in our life that maybe we didn't see or recognize or understand. And God, I, I pray that as we were speaking tonight, that your spirit and your word always bring truth and life. Father, my prayer is, is that if in our lives that we have preferred you, that you've been a preference to us, God, I ask right now that you begin to point those things out to us, that you begin to show us, reveal our heart. And I ask, Father, that you begin to turn our hearts back to you, that you fan that flame, that desire, that understanding, that, re that revelation, and that relationship with you. That you take those coals that were once burning white hot and have slowly began to die out. Father, I ask that your spirit begins to blow across our hearts and our lives right now, returning us back to our first love. Father, I thank you that you are the God of all truth and that you love us with unconditional, undying love. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for the work that you are doing in our hearts, in our lives, that you are transforming us more into your image and that as we step from choosing you as a preference to a conviction that we move to ownership and begin to take the love and the life that you've given us and we take it outside of these walls and we take it outside of our own personal relationship and begin to give it away and share that good news with everybody that we encounter everywhere day and every way. In Jesus' name.
We all said, Amen. I love Jesus. I love his body. I love the different aspects of the body of Christ. And I'm so thankful. We're so thankful for the work that he is doing. so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.